All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Heal Thyself, episode 10. Wow. I feel like we need to have an anniversary now. 10 shows down. We are, uh, like I say, every week on fire. Um, but this is true. And here's the thing. Look, we're able to really awaken people and empower people. And that's the thing that makes me most happy. Listen, I, like I said, I do this for free. We ain't got no sponsors. So it's just me doing what I love. And I know it's what I love because I lost some sleep over today's show. I mean, I was, uh, we don't have a guest today. So I put out a question on Instagram. Hey, you know, drop some questions for, if you have any questions, let me know. And, uh, and we'll talk about it on the show. But here I am, two in the morning, still answering questions. I'm like, oh, how about one more? How about one more? How about one more? Because this is beautiful to be able to teach everyone as best as I can with as much concentrated information in a show. All right. So before I go on my knowledge bomb, I want to talk about something that just popped up in the news. What is going on with Monsanto? Okay, look, they're in court and they're on their third lawsuit. They're being sued for the third time. They lost the first one. They lost the second one, 78 million, 80 million. And then there's this third lawsuit going on. And a forensic toxicologist uncovers that Monsanto, not surprisingly, uh, manipulated the evidence scientifically about how Roundup is absorbed in the body. So usually when they do absorption studies in the skin, they take tissue from a surgical patient or uh, viable tissue, basically, right? So it has to be viable. It has to be alive in many ways. But what they took is cadaver tissue, and on top of that, they burned it. They baked it so there's no water or absorption of chemicals. And then they reported that as being the absor absorption pro properties of, of Roundup. Oh, man, like, it, it, I'm telling you, this is how the universe works. You can't do shitty things without it coming to light at some point. And I do believe that there's these thousands of thousands of pending cases. One of them on Instagram that mentioned that um, reached out to me saying that, yeah, they're waiting on a pending case. This is going to happen. And I hope she gets 80 million because the damage that they've been doing to people is without a price tag. All right. I had to say my little piece about Monsanto, but let's go to today's knowledge bomb. All right, today's knowledge bomb is going to be on artificial food coloring. This is something that is all over our food supply. You go to any supermarket, you'll see it there. I know you've seen the letters and the numbers. We're going to talk about what it means, what it is, and how it's affecting us, especially our children. All right, so artificial food coloring is derived from petroleum. We already know that that has toxic byproducts in itself. All right, they appeal to our evolutionary cues. Right? We see bright colors, we go, oh, sweet, mm, taste, mm, calories, mm, nutrition. All right. So since 1955, the food dye consumption has been increasing up to five times more. Here's a horrifying stat. 15 million pounds of food coloring in our food supply each year. 15 million pounds. That's how much is dumped into our food supply. Europe halted the use of this in infants and children in 2010. And guess what? Check this out. They said if it contains the if it does contain uh, any food coloring, the label has to say that it's detrimental to health. But we use it regularly in many of our children's foods and drinks. Instead, Europe uses things like beta carotene, beets, turmeric, but it's not as vibrant, right? And the food industry wants vibrancy. We want to sell it to the children. So uh, what's permitted here is blue one and two, red two and three, orange B, green three, yellow five and six, okay? Most of the studies on the safety, which were already controversial as it is, were over a decade ago. And now we're consuming even more since 10 years. So what we do know, it, it's connected to hypersensitivity, behavioral issues, allergies, immune dysfunction, and in animal studies, tumors of the bladder, kidney, adrenal, brain, and thyroid. The most dangerous being red number three. That's the one that's implicated. Uh, it's used much less because it's most implicated, but guess what? We still find it in popsicles, candies, maraschino cherries, right? And this, every time we're consuming this, it's causing some issues in our body. 
common foods where we find these. All right, how about cereals for kids, right? Kids love cereal. I did. Guess which one was one of my favorite? Captain Crunch. Guess which one's one of the worst? Captain Crunch. How about sports drinks? Gatorade. Sodas, fruit juices, canned fruits. You open up those canned fruits. Why do the fruits look so vibrant? It's because they're dyed. Candies, M&M's, Skittles. Skittles being the worst, actually. Surprising foods. How about this? Salmon. Did you know that some of your salmon is so sick and dead that they have to inject it with food coloring to make it even look vibrant enough for your eyes and your taste buds? All right. Yogurt. Right? You go, you go and get those uh, flavored yogurts. That's food coloring. Instant oatmeals, food coloring. Baked goods, salad dressings, pickles. How about some vitamins? Definitely use that. Check the back of your vitamins. See if there's food coloring. Centrum, Flintstones, vitamins, gummies. Medications definitely do. How about protein bars, protein powders, right? The creamsicle, popsicle protein powder that you're eating, that's got food coloring. Maple syrup, applesauce, popcorn, peanut butter, gravy jerky, some soups, bouillons, definitely toothpaste, definitely mouthwash. It's a lot, and I'm sure a lot of well, that list was surprising, all right? Purdue University study. What they did is they measured numerous um, foods of the ones that I mentioned, basically, and uh, what they found was levels beyond what is considered safe. Uh, these levels uh, that were beyond what was considered safe were implicated in behavioral disruption. So all of these foods had levels beyond what we want right, beyond what the FDA says is safe. But there's a lot more than that. So they're connected to behavioral disruption. Uh, there was a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. Trial That's a gold standard trial of 1,873 children. And what they found was the children who were consuming the foods with food dye had significantly greater hyperactivity versus the placebo who didn't. Already we are concerned. So there's multiple other uh, associations. Uh, most, so it's, it's much less controversial as we see more and more studies, right? Um, what we're starting to see is these symptoms in these children of sleep disturbance, migraines, jitteriness, nervousness, trouble focusing. What's that sound like? To me, it sounds like ADHD, right? So check this out. Your kid is every day eating already more than they're supposed to in one serving of cereal. Then they have a popsicle at some point in lunch. Then they have, let's say, a salmon in their, in their school uh, lunch. And then they have a yogurt. And then they have some salad dressing. That's, that's already way more food coloring than they're supposed to have. And then they're expressing these symptoms of hyperactivity, jitteriness, nervousness, trouble focusing. Then they go, well, it looks like this kid has ADHD, right? And you can't diagnose ADHD via brain scans. Really, there's specific criteria that it has to fit, and they have to have symptoms of inattention uh, for six months or more. But if they're eating these foods for six months or more, and they're expressing these symptoms of inattention uh, and jitteriness and trouble focusing... Then they're diagnosed with ADHD, and guess what? Now they're on a bunch of meds, all because the root cause wasn't addressed. So the FDA says, really, their safe level, uh, their safe level that they put on it, does not account for long-term body burden of these food colorings. And also, what they're testing is the immediate free metabolites, but not the ones that are bound in the blood that are released later. So um, FDA has a level. But to me, it's not even safe at all anyway. So if your pediatrician hears the case of your child and says, well, this has been going on for six months, your child definitely fits the criteria of six, the six criteria for ADHD, and uh, they're expressing it in different environments, they definitely have ADHD. Here, take your medicine. Take a medication, a new medication that your child is going to be on for the next five years, 10 years. If your pediatrician ever says that, please put on your New Balance Adidas running sneakers and do the 100-meter dash out of there like you did in high school, please be empowered to know that why don't you address the food first, okay? So what we have to think about it this way. If we make that change the way Europe did and we start adding beta carotene and beets and turmeric into uh, our food coloring, they're going to be less vibrant. Who's losing money? 
Who, ask yourself who's losing money on that, on that intervention, right? Because if your Captain Crunch looks way more, way less vibrant, well, will your child want it? Because they know, we actually know that changes in colors can actually change perceived taste, even if the taste doesn't change. So vibrancy in food is very important. Um, so just think about that. Think about who has to lose what and vote with your dollar. Stop buying food coloring. We don't even need it. It's not, there's no necessity for that to be in our food. Uh, so it should be a very easy out, but we know there's a lot of, um, a lot of stakeholders in this. So, hey, look, that's the knowledge bomb. We're going to go into a product review and then we're going to just bang out these questions because I can't wait to get to them. All right, everyone, today's product review is going to be going over a favorite of mine when I was a kid. I used to eat a lot of crackers. That was my favorite go-to. It was easy, right? My mom just left them out and I put some cheese on it or maybe put some peanut butter on it. Not together, hopefully. And that was my thing. Maybe that's why I was a chubby little boy. But I want to go over this convenience food because they're given a lot to children and I want to teach everyone how to buy these correctly. So usually when I go over this product reviews, I'll go to the supermarket. Um, I'll either go to Whole Foods or we have like a Sprouts around here. And then I'll go to um, like a Ralph's. Uh, and Ralph's is a supermarket that um, has a really poor selection of organic or high quality food. Um, but I didn't want to buy Ritz crackers. I usually return them, but I didn't even want to go in and buy Ritz crackers. So I'm pulling it up on my phone and I'm going to talk about Ritz crackers. Ritz is the worst one that I've, that I've found. It's the worst common one. And it's so available uh, around everywhere you go because you'll go to a preschool, you go to uh, high school, you'll go to your friend's cabinet. They're always there and we all recognize the red box. But what does it really have? Well, 20% of us have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And already, if you're eating Ritz crackers, 20% of us are going to be affected because one of the main and first ingredients is wheat flour. Then it's enriched with a bunch of B, vitamin, B vitamins, which we have no idea where the sourcing is from. Uh, also, these are the things that I really want to point out. Remember, I always talk about GMO foods, and we know the biggest GMO um, foods are coming from corn, they're coming from soy, soybean, uh, canola oil, cottonseed oil. And guess what? They're in here. This has corn syrup, soy lecithin, cottonseed oil, soybean oil. That's what makes these crackers greasy, but it's also what makes them inflammatory and toxic to our health. Um, it's also made with high fructose corn syrup. We know that's implicated in so many, so many issues, including liver issues, uh, cardiovascular issues, and we're giving this to our children's developing system. Please throw away these Ritz crackers, put them at the bottom of your garbage can, and put the dog poop on top of it. All right? So Ritz, no. Next. When I went to Whole Foods, I found these here, and I'm going to go over two of them. They are ones that are kind of greenwashy-ish. Uh, Blue Diamonds, Almonds, well, they got into the nut... Uh, I'm sorry, they got into the cracker industry and then Saffron Road. Both of them I don't like, and here's why. Let's go over the Blue Diamond one. Well, Blue Diamond isn't known to be a pioneer in healthy sourcing for almonds. Um, they do not use organic almonds, uh, questionable sourcing. And what we have here is the first two ingredients are rice flour and almond meal. Then it has this ranch seasoning, right, that's made with buttermilk, Whey, which we know whey protein is associated with gastrointestinal disruption and microbiome disruption and infl inflammation. It's also made with maltodextrin and skim milk. Nowhere on the box, and you know how I feel about dairy. I had a, I had a whole episode on it. Nowhere on this box does it say anything about nothing being organic, right? Even if I was to be eating dairy, you better believe it would be coming from organic. You better believe that, I, that those cows are eating the best diet. But they're sourcing their stuff from questionable sources, especially their milk, all right? And then it also has cultured nonfat milk. What about citric acid? Remember I spoke about, oh, citric, that sounds nice. It must be coming from lemons. It must be coming from limes. Well, it turns out that citric acid 
the dirty little secret is it's really just derived from corn, genetically modified corn using yeast. Um, and then it has something called yeast extract, all right? So if you're sensitive to MSG, yeast extract can cause neurotoxicity too because it's a, it's a cheaper substitute to MSG. What MSG does, it's excitatory to the nerves in the brain, right, the neurons. Uh, yeast extract can have a very similar effect. And then we have natural flavors. Remember how I feel about that one? That is just a blanket umbrella term. Natural flavors, what? What does that mean to me? Blue Diamond, please tell Dr. Gonzalez. All right. Saffron Road World Cuisine. These are lentil rosemary crackers. Better, all right, relatively better than the Blue Diamond one. But still, why are you putting corn flour, genetically modified, Possibly, right? We, we have no signs of anything coming from clean ingredients. Cane sugar, okay. Whey protein, again, there's that whey protein. Look, whey protein, awesome for building muscle, terrible for your digestive system. And, um, and milk protein. So again, where are they deriving their uh, milk or dairy products from? It tells me nothing anywhere, inside out, bottom of the box, left side, nothing. Saffron Road, um, I'm going to stay away from you forever. All right. Here are the two that I like better. Now, Simple Mills, you all might recognize this one. Simple Mills um, could have done so much better uh, if they just showed me an organic label and if they just showed me that they're almonds, right? Because they have a nut. It's, it's a pretty simple ingredient. That's really cool. They have a nut and seed flour blend and it's almonds, sunflower seeds, and flax seeds. But please just show me that they're derived from clean ingredients or clean sourcing. Tell me that it's organic because that would make this product so much better because they do a really good job at getting organic sunflower oil, organic rosemary, um, organic onion, garlic, pepper, and then they have the rosemary extract. Overall, look, I, I, would eat, I would eat this if it was at a party, right, and, and I was hungry. I wouldn't eat it every day um, because they can do better with their sourcing. Tell me the almonds are organic because I spoke about it so many times, especially with the almond milks, is how important it is to get organic almonds. Um, whereas Marigon Crackers does a much better job because their blend, they, they pretty much ensure everything from beginning to end is organic, right? Um, Simple Mills has simpler ingredients, but still the risk of the sourcing is still there. Whereas Mary's Gone Crackers has organic ingredients across the board. Um, it has a flour blend, rice flour, tapioca starch, quinoa flour. Remember what I said about rice in the other episodes, it shouldn't be every single day exposure to rice, but this is a good snack every now and then. Chia seeds, sunflower seeds, garlic, um, rosemary, um, and black pepper. So overall, look, let's go over it again. Mary's Gone Crackers, the best one that I found, especially at Whole Foods, Simple Mills, simple ingredients, but um, I wouldn't have it every day. Saffron Road, um, no. Blue Diamond, no. And Ritz, please burn it. All right. So that is my product review. Crackers are easy. Crackers are accessible, but make sure you're finding good ones. All right. Let's go on to the question section, my favorite part right now. All right, everyone. Today is a special segment because for the first time ever, we're taking audience questions about everything um, and I'm answering them to the best of my ability. So I really hope you all enjoy this section. I really enjoyed um, reading all the questions. And look, if I didn't get to your question, there was at least 400 entries, I kid you not. And I looked over every single one. Can't cover 400, that's four shows. But I answered uh, as many as I can, and we're going we're gonna to be doing this often, especially when there's no guests around. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. All right, question number one. Do you believe that diet nutrition directly affects the state of a person's mental well-being? 1,000, 1 million percent. It's a good question. Uh, food, we already know, is medicine. It's what I talk about all the time. Um, look, you eat shitty food, you feel shitty for a reason right? Because there's changes, biochemical changes, right? Food is information for your genes, right? So they exert a, a crucial effect on your nervous system. We know that. Um, and different foods contain um, neurotransmitters in itself or the, uh, the, the, the main products to make neurotransmitters, right? The precursors. So for brain communication, we need those neurotransmitters to be communicating health, to have a healthy communication network in our brain. 
They also attenuate inflammation, which is really important, especially if there's brain inflammation, right? Uh, food can uh, create sugar spikes in our body, right, which is already going to increase brain inflammation, those pro-inflammatory, what they call cytokines, these proteins that um, totally start perpetuating uh, inflammation in the brain. And we know that food can affect the digestive system and the gut health, and we know the gut health is connected to the brain via the brain, the gut, the gut, the brain. There's an access that connects them. They communicate with each other intimately. So we know that food has a very important role in the health of both systems, right? So of course, of course, diet and nutrition affects your mental well-being. Why, when you eat like crap, do you feel like crap? Do you think like crap? And you're sluggish, right? Food is information. Remember that. And leaky gut, leaky brain. If your digestive system is a mess, you better believe that same thing's happening in the blood-brain barrier. They go hand in hand, and there's a slippery, slippery slope. Um, basically, what happens is the immune cells become activated, and then there's a reduced communications of the neurons in your brain, and that reduced communication of the neurons in your brain ultimately has there there creates a reduced communication in the brain to the gut. So. Think about powerful, powerful foods like turmeric. That reduces brain inflammation, helps the digestive system. Same with green tea. Same with all of the fruits and veggies. They all have communication properties, each color, the rainbow. So yes, I love that question. Eat a balanced diet. Know that a balanced diet can affect cortisol, dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine, uh, glutamate, dopamine, serotonin, all these neurotransmitters and hormones that are really playing an intimate role on our well-being. Second question. Thoughts on alkaline water? I like this question because this is a booming marketing trend right now. So there's no good evidence that alkaline water does anything. And we have to think about it this way. First of all, alkaline water is water that is higher than a neutral pH of 7. Usually it's around 8 or 10 pH. But remember, the higher the pH doesn't always mean the better, right? Our stomach acid is really low. We need that to be low. Uh, so there's no really good evidence that alkaline water is doing everything that it says that it does. Um, the problem is, is that people are buying into the belief that, well, I'm going to drink alkaline water and it's going to affect my blood alkalinity. And that's not true, right? Because if I put a bucket of baking soda into a gallon of water and I drink that gallon of water, if that was the case, I'd be dead. The same thing goes with, let's say, apple cider vinegar, and I, I put a bunch of apple cider vinegar into some water, and I drink that, I'd be dead. It doesn't work that way. Our body has very, very important systems that regulate the movement of pH in our body. So, um, so just remember that. And especially digestively, if we're drinking... I, Alkaline water would be wonderful for someone who has who's suffering with heartburn consistently because it'll help reduce that acidity. So it can affect the stomach, but don't remember, we don't always want to affect our acidity of our stomach. We actually never want it. We always want strong, strong acidity in our stomach to help break down uh, our food and those nutrients and making those nutrients bioavailable and absorption. So uh, yeah, in animal studies, there was some concern or even long-term use. What I, what's really more important than alkaline water is making sure your water is clean, has no fluoride, no pesticides, no herbicides, no pharmaceuticals, no pathogenic or organisms, no heavy metals, no BPA, no other contaminants. So instead of worrying about if your water is alkaline, pay a little bit more attention to how clean it is, if there's fluoride in it, right? And get yourself a good water filter and then remineralize that with some really good minerals, okay? That's my, uh, my answer on alkaline water. Let's move to the next question. Can a fibroid be reversed naturally to save a hysterectomy? Um, yes, for sure, if you get to the root of the problem. See, and this is where the paradigms are, are different, right? Because a fibroid is going to be causing you many symptoms, right? What they basically are, these non-cancerous growths in the uterus, and they're painful, and they affect your menstruation. So if your doctor sees that, they're going to go, okay, well, this is an issue. Is If it's getting worse, you're going to need surgery. And then they just remove, they do a hysterectomy, they remove all the, the lady parts, right? Gone. And oh, well, you're fine now, no more symptoms. And it, it, it's kind of crazy. It's like, it's like, uh, oh, I have a splinter in my finger, let's cut off the finger, right? Instead of getting to the root cause, why do I keep getting splinters on my fingers? Um, what happens is, 
the, the deeper question is what's going on with your liver, basically, right? So just because your symptoms goes, go away doesn't mean the underlying cause is not fixed. And this is uh, piggybacking on what Dr. Jolene Brighton came on and said uh, two weeks ago. It's the same thing, right? If, you're, if your liver is consistently making this form of estrogen that is, that is perpetuating and, and causing the growth of these fibroids in the uterus, you better believe if you, if you remove, if you have a hysterectomy, Liver's still going to be doing what it was doing because that wasn't addressed, right? And then what happens is that your breast, what about your breast? Your breast was always being hit with that form of estrogen, but now they're being hit more. And what if, what if you start getting fibroids in your breast as a result? You're going to cut off your breast now? So that's, that's what I'm trying to say. This is, to me, the ludicrousy in, in medicine and surgery. Surgery can save a life, yes, but you can't just cut off a part without getting to the root cause. That's, that's crazy to me. All right. Does skincare routine affect wellness, hormones, et cetera? For sure. For sure. We know that women um, use about 12 products per day and they contain about 168 chemicals, 168. And men uh, contain about 85 or they, they're exposed to about 85 different chemicals. Um, but then we have to think about if it has fragrance, that could be thousands more. And the Environmental Working Group says that uh, 60% of uh, any cosmetics applied uh, or any lotions, deodorants, or anything that's applied basically of these personal care products is absorbed, 60%. For makeup, women absorb 4.6 pounds per year, and you absorb makeup in 26 seconds. That's crazy. So yes, what do you think if that's going into the blood, it's doing to your hormones, to your immune system, right? So again, we start thinking about the intimate effect of what we're putting on our bodies and how it affects our health. Because we know that many of these chemicals have developmental and reproductive toxicity implications, right? Immune and hormone disruption implications, and then also implicated in cancer. So yes, for sure, your skincare routine is something you have to be cognizant of. And you have to make sure that you're getting all of your products, or what, think about whatever's touching your skin, whatever you're putting in your mouth, right? Use that as your rule of thumb. And look at, oh, wow, I'm putting shampoo I'm using this soap, then I'm using this conditioner, then I'm getting out and I'm putting this lotion, right? Then I'm putting this face cream. Think about what you're putting on your body because your body is sucking it up readily. All right. Antibiotics for infections or no? That's sort of a loaded question. It depends on the infection, right? It depends on how severe the infection is. Are antibiotics overused? Hell yeah. So my friend Allie and her handles Empowered Autoimmune, she put up such a great post on antibiotics because it's not black and white. Like I said, they save lives, right? But they're overused big time. Do you know that a single course of antibiotics can disrupt the delicate microbiome two to four years? On average, one course disrupts your microbiome 16 months. Guess which one was the worst? Clindamycin. That disrupted the commensal flora of the gut up to four years. So imagine, because I know I was, I was getting strep all the time when I was a kid. I, mean, I took a lot of antibiotics. I don't have the best gut. I know that. Um, imagine if, if the, the kids who have persistent earaches and they're given antibiotics, antibiotics, antibiotics. Oh, another year of earaches, another three courses of antibiotics. Imagine what that's doing to the digestive system. Let's think about that, all right? So uh, it also uh, predisposes you to other infections and diseases long-term. Why? Why do we hear someone go through a course of antibiotics and get sick with something else? It's because your digestive system, the, the gut flora is being disrupted, and that's what's keeping tabs on the overgrowth of other pathogenic organisms like yeast, parasites, other bacteria, okay? So a study out of England said one course of antibiotics in children raises the risk of eczema 41% after the first year of life, and then 7% more each course thereafter. And even the confounding factors for all of that were taken in consideration and still the findings were valid. So that's crazy, right? One course, boom, already you're predisposed almost half to eczema. And then it just keeps going up every time you use it. Because I know a lot of kids with eczema. And I know a lot of kids who, those, and those kids who've used uh, antibiotics persistently. And then you're, if you look at 
the, um, the package insert, you know that antibiotics automatically, one of the major um, side effects is oral infections and vaginal infections. That's why we hear about thrush. That's why we hear about uh, yeast infections coming out from uh, overuse of antibiotics. Uh, and Cipro, the antibiotic, crazy enough, was uh, connected to tendon rupture, retinal detachment, aortic tears. That's serious stuff. Amoxicillin, again, mucocutaneous candidiasis. Why is because what's happening is, again, the overgrowth of that yeast, that back, the, the fungus. Uh, pseudomembranous colitis. Well, the, what happens? What's that? That's when this, this, this organism called Clostridium difficile, C. diff, is just overgrowing in the colon, and then it's causing swelling and inflammation, and you're getting diarrhea. And then you have a slew of hypersensitive reactions. So look, the whole point is this. If you need antibiotics, make sure you really need them. Make sure they're a last resort because they're being used as a first-line resort, and that's not acceptable, especially what it does long-term. So if, you're, if you have a sick child, really question the need for the antibiotic because no, for an ear infection, well, that's easy to take care of. Go to a naturopathic doctor. Go to a functional doctor. They'll tell you exactly what to do. All right, where is veganism heading? I like this question because I myself am a vegan. I do see it, uh, it growing more and more. There's a lot of really good resources coming into play. Um, there's a lot of really good practitioners out there that are um, spokespeople for it, um, citing the studies and citing the what we see, right? Because we know that it can be a very therapeutic diet for many people, um, especially specific populations that are very sick. Um, and yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing more and more studies coming on it, and we're seeing the abundance of what a variety of plant foods are doing for our health. Um, we're learning more about the power of what it does in the microbiome, and especially with things like cardiometabolic disease, right? We know that a plant-based or vegan diet is a major go-to for those with diabetes or heart disease. So I love that. Um, and yeah, medical doctors out there, even on Instagram, are doing a really good job at educating the people. And even more, what I'm seeing is that there's where we as a people are learning more about the injustices that are happening to animals on these farms. And it's heartbreaking. And I don't care who you are. There, I know there's an empathetic part of you that attaches and sees the atrocities that are going on to these animals. So um, look, we're compassionate people at heart. So to see and understand what's going on, I think that that's coming to play too because of all these documentaries and all these video clips. And um, so yeah, I think it's growing a lot and especially because the implication of what factory farming does to the environment. And uh, I, think that, I think that we're moving towards a place where, yeah, plant, plant food is making a big, making a big statement right now. And I'm happy for it. I really am because um, health, environment, compassion, animals, you know, like who are we hurting as vegans? So I love it. All right. Whew, this is my, I think this was my favorite question of, of all because I am so passionate about many things, as you all know, but boy, oh boy, do I love talking about mental health. So recommendations or recommend to treat depression, question mark. I might have typed that wrong. Regardless, it's on depression. Anyway, uh, we have to understand what depression is, right? Because what, we're, what we believed in medicine was that there was a neurochemical uh, deficiency and that just needed a quick intervention, balance the brain hormones, and we're good. We're happy again, right? Oh boy, it's way more complex than that. It's not, that's not even it. So a lot of doctors are still subscribing to that, but it doesn't it doesn't happen that way because we're not getting to the root cause. Now, one of my favorite doctors out there, Dr. Kelly Brogan, she was on the Joe Rogan show. It's the first time I ever heard her. And she blew me away with, she was actually the best interview I've heard on the Joe Rogan show because of everything that she said. And I went to follow her work. I think she's great. And she's one of the leading voices. Um, she's a former medical, she is a medical doctor, but she's a former psychiatrist. She got out of there once she learned about the real data, about what the heck she was doing all her life. And then she just switched up her, switched up the game and she's doing and healing a lot of people out there. But as per her, there's no valid science that supports the neurochemical explanation of mental illness, as I mentioned with the neurotransmitters, um, including depression and the complex physiological effect that people get from 
uh, these medication is largely a placebo effect, and we think that the meds are helping us. As per her, uh, the medications are acting on this chemical system that causes an adaptation by the body over time. Remember, listen to what I said. When you take these medication, it's causing an adaptation by the body. And these adaptations by the body are the likely reason why these folks who are medicated with antidepressants have inferior outcomes long-term versus those that are unmedicated with the same symptoms. So what basically what's happening is these drugs are likely failing because our body is creating these compensatory mechanisms every time we're taking the drug. And then what's happening is these compensatory mechanisms are creating an opposite effect of what the drug's intended to do. So then the drug fails, and guess what? Now we have to take another drug for these compensatory mechanisms. That blew my mind away when I learned about that. How incredible and empowering that is for someone on an antidepressant. So basically, if you're attempting to medicate, you may, one, not be helping at all, two, making yourself sicker, three, creating a new diagnosis requiring other treatment, and four, really rob you of the opportunity to understand why you're symptomatic in the first place. So you can't just stop an enzyme from reabsorbing happy brain chemicals and say, oh, that's a cure. Um, you have to understand what, antide what depression is and how antidepressants affect you long-term. They should not be given long-term, no antidepressant. What about informed consent? Is your psychiatrist pulling out a paper showing you what these things do, right? Main thing are GI symptoms, right? A lot of people have a slew of uh, gastrointestinal issues. But then liver toxicity, weight gain. How about a side effect of suicidality? How about a side effect of severe withdrawal to the point where there needs to be long-term tapering? Many preclinical studies even show the risk for certain cancers. So as I mentioned, Kelly Brogan, uh, being a leader in brain dysfunction, she says that, um, she says three facts, there's three facts out there about psychiatric medicines. One, they result in worse long-term outcomes. This is via the, out there, the data, the studies that we know. I'll go back. There's three facts on psychiatric medicines. They result in worse long-term outcomes. They're debilitating and habit-forming, and they cause unpredictable violence. Crazy, huh? And we ask, uh, there, she, she, she goes on this rant and talking about, on the Joe Rogan show, about these school shootings and how they were connected to these psychiatric medicines and these genetic changes that these folks may have had that put them in a state of psychosis. Um, really interesting stuff. I actually recommend, whether it's depression in your family or you know anyone, just listen to that Joe Rogan podcast with Kelly Brogan. It just blew me away. And not much blows me away. I've seen pretty much everything you can see, but that blew me away. Um, really, depression, look at your heavy metals. Look at your infections. Look at brain inflammation, right? Look at the state of your digestive system. Ask yourself that, because if your psychiatrist isn't asking you, you got to lose that psychiatrist. That was my two cents on depression. I really love that question. Thank you for whoever asked that question, because... That, that got me going. I was on fire with that one last night. I was like, whoa, I like this question. All right, do you know much about the blood type diet? Well, I was actually taught by the doctor who made that famous, Peter Diadamo. And basically what it's saying is that the dietary lectins, right, these proteins in food, target ABO blood types, depending on what your blood type is, depends on how the particular lectin in the food affects you. Is there good data on it? No. Have I seen it work clinically for people? Yes. Um, particularly in musculoskeletal issues like arthritis and digestive issues. Do I use it? Not really, not fully. I do use it on high lectin foods like beans, uh, legumes, and some grains. So I do follow. I'm a type O blood type, which actually means I should be eating a lot of meat because um, my, my body constitution as a blood, a blood type O is best for uh, metabolizing meat. I tend to just do the way opposite because that's what I am. I'm a rebel. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the blood type O diet or blood type diet is something to explore. I don't write it off. I don't write anything off in science just because there's not enough good data. If it's working for you, who the hell am I to say that just because the data doesn't say it, that it's not valid. So yeah, it's something to try. You can always try it, especially I've seen it help mostly for uh, musculoskeletal issues like arthritis and digestive issues. Best or favorite healthy bread? My favorite healthy bread is Happy Campers Bread. They're organic, gluten-free, vegan, no sugar added. Um, they use whole foods ingredients, clean, 
they they have they have uh, good support uh, for the whole body. Basically, they have really good really good ingredients. I love it. They taste good. Um, yeah, happy camper spread. Tips on eating out. If you're going to eat out, um, look for a place that's health conscious, and that might take some work. In LA, doesn't take any work, but in your town, it might take some work. Look out there. In a perfect world, everything's organic. Everything's gluten-free. Everything doesn't have GMOs. That doesn't happen. Regardless, look at your town, and you may be surprised. You'll find a place maybe that'll be your new favorite spot. Uh, stay away from conventional meats, for sure, uh, if you can, because they tend to be like the farm-raised ones. They tend to be, or um, farm-raised, yeah, farm-raised salmon or or beef or whatever it is. They can be toxic, inflammatory, hormone-disrupting. And especially if you're going out to eat a lot, pay really close attention to the quality of foods you're eating because these foods are given antibiotics, GMOs, they're exposed to heavy metals. And remember, rule of thumb, your clean 15 and dirty dozen. Try eating the clean 15 foods when it comes to produce when you're out to eat and stay away from the ones really high on the dirty dozen. Like don't get a non-conventional, uh, don't get a conventional kale salad or spinach salad with berries. Just stay away from that stuff if you can, all right? And again, look, you can't control everything, but just keep that in mind. Okay, root canals and how they can make you sick and a solution if you had one. I really like this one. So as you all know, I did a year and a half of dental school. So I learned a lot about the structure and function of teeth. And root canals is a very interesting procedure. Um, because no other medical procedure just leaves dead tissue in the body. It's a dead tissue. And tooth basically what happens is you have tooth decay and it goes all the way to the pulp of the tooth. It just goes down and down through the enamel into the pulp. And in that pulp, there's nerves and blood vessels. And what happens is usually an abscess forms, right? Why? Because your body is smart enough to siphon those, those pathogenic organisms. So while a root canal goes in there, sucks it out, just removes all of the pulp basically, like you're getting into an orange and just removing the middle of it, right? All the pulp comes out um, and then they fill it with dental material. And they say, look, the, the infection's removed, it's sterilized, we save the tooth, perfect world, go on, go on with your life. The problem is, is that that filling material does not get into all of the branches of the teeth, right? So there's almost 0% chance that it's 100% sterilized. That's a problem because those pathogenic bacteria, they're just hanging out, growing, making babies, reproducing, and causing issues in the body. So what happens when there's no blood supply? Guess what? Your immune system can't get to that area and do anything about it. So then this becomes a, core, a source of chronic inflammation, chronic inf uh, infection. Uh, where's the informed consent? The American Dental Association says it's safe. It doesn't cross chronic disease. Bacteria will not move from that area. Um, but... What they found was actually plaques in the heart have the same DNA makeup as the bacteria found in your mouth, especially in those people. We see on thermographies the path of from, from the root canal area or the infected tooth, the path as it goes into the breast of a woman. Weston A. Price, the dentist, what he did is remove uh, a, a, a fragment of the tooth from those who had a root canal and had a disease, removed that fragment, inserted it into the belly of a rabbit, and within weeks, that rabbit would get the disease suffered by that human. For example, if the person had a, heart, a root canal that led to a heart attack, that fragment of the tooth was put into the rabbit, that rabbit had a heart attack. Unfortunately, that's really sad, but that, that's just also very intriguing in many ways. Um, so if you have a dead tooth, what do you do? find a biological dentist. IAOMT, International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, is where you go. You'll find one. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you everything that they can do. Use, maybe they use um, ozone, uh, rebalance your diet, your mouth biome, right? That, that, that bacteria in your mouth, very important to have that balance, teaching you habits and what foods are contributing to what and balancing your digestive system. Before I get out of that question, I'll talk about... Um, a close family member, he had warts on his finger um, and nothing would take them away. And they just would keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. I told him to get that tooth removed, get that dead tooth removed. That's a source of chronic inflammation, chronic infection. He got that tooth removed. Within a week, his warts disappeared and never came back. Pay close attention to that. All right. When getting blood tests, what should one ask for or be checked for? Look, 
Blood tests can be really good at assessing your blood cellular health, your organ function, inflammation, but it's not really good at assessing your nutrients. It's not really good at assessing heavy metals, and it's not particularly good at assessing hormones. I, rather than saying going for a blood test, I mean, do your yearly blood test, but some tests that I really do like, the NutriVal by Genova, that's blood and urine, that'll give you nutritional analysis. It'll, it does organic acids too, so it'll tell you so much about the state of your digestive system, where the overgrowth is happening or what overgrowth is happening, how you're absorbing carbs, fats, proteins, if you're efficiently doing it, heavy metals, oxidation in the body, and again, what vitamins and minerals are missing. The best test out there, my opinion. Everyone should do it yearly. That should be a standard. Uh, toxin test, everyone should get tested for toxins in the urine and pollutants. Um, the Dutch test is a, my favorite hormone test. Everyone should be getting that, especially women who have hormonal issues. Metal tests, um, Cyrix does a good blood panel and then getting a provoked urine via doctor's data and then doing a hair. I like analytical research labs. All right, next question, liver cleanse ideas. Well, rather than cleanse, well, the liver has 500 vital functions. Rather than a cleanse, let's think about what foods, how we support it every day so you never have to do a formal cleanse, right? What about foods? Are you getting enough amino acids in the diet? Burdock root, ginger, turmeric, dandelion, cruciferous veggies, horseradish, citrus fruits, beets, green tea. That's liver-loving food. Supplements. Ask your doctor about liposomal glutathione, alpha-lipoic acid, N-acetylcysteine, B vitamins, milk thistle, artichoke, Spanish black radish. These are things that you should be doing daily to give your liver love, especially if you're drinking and especially if you're eating like crap. All right. The celery juice fad, yay or nay? Um, I won't say yay. I won't say nay. I'll say like, eh, you know, if it works for you and you feel good, keep doing it. That's one already rule of thumb. But celery should not have a monopoly on juices um, because there's no good data to claim that it does everything that it does. And other juices to me are just as good. Celery has a constituent called apigenin that's really uh, good for detoxing, brain protection, and inflammation. But be aware that other constituents in celery can cause photosensitivity and skin cancer susceptibility. So what I say is if you're having celery juice and you plan on going out the sun, don't have your juice that day. Okay, because you're, you're, it, it, the, these constituents are photosensitizing your skin towards burning and skin cancer. So just remember that. That's why I say, eh, you know, just if it works for you, works for you. If not, have other juices or stop. Um, are you ever going to make a vegan meal ebook? I'm going to make a book, actually. I'm working on a, on a vegan book. So that, that'll be coming out. Um, best tips for healing foods to use for damaging from reflux. Well, if you have reflux, get to the root cause. Why do you have reflux? Get a naturopathic doctor or functional doctor. They'll help you find it. But look into demulcent and mucilaginous foods that'll help coat the mucosa and relieve the inflammation like okra, chia, flax, oats, um, psyllium husk, seaweed. Or ask your doctor about herbs like licorice, comfrey, marshmallow root, mullein, slippery elm. Um, and then know about what foods affect that sphincter that have the acid coming up, like tomato, garlic, onions, chocolate, alcohol, coffee, peppermint. Best way to raise healthy children with robust immune systems. Um, try to do a vaginal delivery, first and foremost. Um, breastfeed. Uh, be aware of your home exposures, right? What's off-gassing? Because we know that that can disrupt hormones in the immune system. Um, what are you putting as personal care products on the child? Hormone disrupting, gut disrupting. Avoiding antibiotics, like I mentioned before, unless absolutely necessary. Um, and don't over-sanitize your children. If they're going to roll around in dirt, let them roll around in dirt because the hygiene hypothesis says that there's early immune events that shape the Th system of our body, right? And the Th1 system is a more non-allergenic system, whereas a Th2 um, confers more al allergic symptoms in, in children. So if you're sanitizing, it's, it's believed that you're pushing towards a Th2, um, Th2 system of, of, the, of the immunity. So instead, have your child outside and, and let their immune system be educated towards the pathogens out there. That's how it was evolutionarily why did things change? Don't, don't put hand sanitizing soap on your child's hand. Um, and introduce pre and probiotics early on, all right? And, and give them good variety. Top common habits that destroy our health that people don't realize or know about, sacrificing sleep, not eating enough plant foods or variety, not having a sense of purpose and a poor self-dialogue. Well, that'll sabotage you. 
uh, not forgiving yourself and others, that'll sabotage you. Not addressing suppressed emotions. Let's think about how that affects our everyday dialogue with ourselves. Um, not allowing vulnerability, not exercising regularly. I mean, these are habits that we can intervene with every single day and do from the morning. And if we set ourselves going from that morning, then that'll change the rest of our day. Other habits, eating genetically modified foods, you all know how I feel about that, and uh, the importance of organic. If you undervalue it, you shouldn't be because it's very important. Um, what would be your number one tip for cold weather folks that don't get a lot of sun? Okay, so have your vitamin D tested and bring it up to around 60. Um, exercise regularly, aerobic, anaerobic. Ground when you can, when it's not freezing cold out, or even when it's cold out, get out there. Um, there's a juve light and red light therapies that really help sort of mimic the effects and benefits of the sun, as do infrared sauna, so get out there. MCT oil, what do I think about it? Well, um, it's all right. It's a mix of coconut and palm oil. Make sure the palm oil is sustainable and animal-friendly, of course, because research what happens with palm oil production. Um, it's, they're basically MCT, stands for medium chain triglyceride. It's a fat molecule. Um, it's really pushed by the bulletproof keto movement. Um, and it rapidly converts into things called ketones, right? These molecules called ketones that help with weight loss, appetite suppression, and energy. Um, it also helps with brain health, which is really cool. And it's rapidly digested. So if you have issues with fat, this may be more tolerable for many people. It has caprylic acid, which is a really good one at feeding the gut bacteria. And if you're cooking it, make sure it's low, just like coconut oil, low to moderate temp. Okay, and the last question, uh, best stuff for gut health via food. You know where I'm going to go with this. Prebiotics, my favorite thing, non-digestible fiber. It has a purpose. It goes through the body, it reaches the colon, and when it reaches your colon, your gut bacteria or your the bacteria in your colon are having the best time of their life. It's a party. It's food. It's feeding time for them. So prebiotic foods are going to continuously sustain that really good level of bacteria. Where do you find those? Bananas, onions, garlic, Jerusalem, artichoke, uh, the skins of apples, chicory root, beans. And then fermented foods, I like those, probiotic foods, right? Uh, sauerkraut, miso soup, kimchi, really good for gastrointestinal support. Um, and then... Um, yeah, and, and, and there's, there's many benefits uh, making sure that you're introducing these early to your children and having these every day, like a little bit of prebiotics in the morning, a little bit of probiotics in the afternoon. Um, that's the best stuff for your gut health. Um, there were so many questions, and I really wanted to answer all of them. I would have if I had another three hours on this show, but, you know, people have to do things, and I can't monopolize this show so, uh, or the crew. Anyway, um, what's going to happen is this. I will do this again. And there was really good questions on, let's say, water. Uh, everyone who asked about, I mean, I'm going to have a whole show on water. Don't worry about that. Lotion, shampoo, whole show on that. Cookware show, laundry detergent, vitamin show. Don't worry. Rest assured. Keep listening. I will say this. Rate, review, subscribe. Support the show. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the number one show, the number one health podcast in the world. You don't believe me? You better watch. So rate, review, subscribe, support. Be one of the first. If you love the show and don't like me, still do it. If you hate the show but love me, still do it. Just support everything that we're doing here because we're doing it for you. All right, that was Heal Thyself. We'll see you next week. Much love to you all. Adios. Adios.